0: You are listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast series. My name's Andrew Mackay-Smith. The interview subject of what's coming up for you is Stéphane Forte from French progressive metal maestro's Adagio. He's also an accomplished solo artist, and the reason for the conversation with Stefan is to promote Adagio's new album for 2017. It's a cracker. It's called Life. Let's have a listen to what he has to say. Here we go will be releasing the new album Life on July 26th, Darkness Machine is a track from the new album and it is available via YouTube. So tell the audience about that track, the video and of course the new album.
1: So that track, um, I mean this album, uh, as you might have heard by yourself, is pretty complex. Uh, it's real. It's a real progressive album in the sense that it's a kind of a big concept album, even though it's not a concept album in the sense where all the songs are linked uh, musically, one after the other one. It's just like more of a concept album in terms of, um, yeah, story and concept. Um, basically, the idea was to, um, uh, I really wanted to, to do kind of like, it's very ambitious and Maybe some people would think presumptuous, but I don't really care to be honest. The idea was I wanted to illustrate um, m- life, uh, at least what I thought it was uh, my life and life of the other of, of everyone. I mean, um, into music, and so I've, I've I've I wrote this album just like if it was um, a movie. I was trying to the, the goal is to just plunge people into their into a trip into life. So from day one to what might be last day and everything in between. So each song uh, represents something um, that is part of life, like for example, um, love uh, with tripping, tripping away um, or depression and, and, and solitude with the secluded within myself, sure. yep. which is a theme I've already um, uh, talked about. Uh, the, the second Adagio album, Underworld, um, I wrote in a very difficult period of my life, and I really needed to do a, a kind of introspection and go and touch those feelings, um, even though it was very hurtful, touch those feelings as accurately as I could. And so this whole album, Underworld, is based on this. And this song could have been part of Underworld. It's really uh, kind of touching the the lower parts of uh, when you're feeling really down. So this song is about that. Um, so Brahmania is kind of a bit, it's a bit different. It's more about... Uh, it's a very belligerent song. Um, it's about when you have to face a day-to-day enemy and um adversity and uh, i'm just like you don't just fight you just you just crush you just crush like total annihilation of it uh, of the enemy and stuff so it's about let's say in a more um vast concept it's it's about fighting you, you um because life is a fight yeah. in a way so it it might sound a bit cheesy but that's what it is i think
0: no, that's fair enough um,
1: yeah. And uh, so the latter, on a more positive side, for example, is about um, everything when you when you're facing things that might seem impossible or uh, far away, for, 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 far from the reach, and um, and there's always a way. Uh, it's just de- it just depends on the way you see things and how you handle things, uh, and I think a big part of this is. Um, everything depending on 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 how you're thinking uh it's like the the glass uh half empty or full it's the same thing i mean um, and i've had the opportunity to test that many times and sure. you can yep. see things in a very negative way or in a very positive way and it really affects um the consequences so mm-hmm. the latter is about this is about um not giving up Uh, whether it is on something professional or uh, on life itself. Um, So it's a positive message. And, yeah, uh, the the overall feeling of this album is very positive. Um, All the previous albums were very dark and very, um, yeah, very dark. And this one is way more positive. The message is way more positive, even though it's not fun all the time and the music is quite dark uh, in general. But... The message is positive.
0: Yeah, I'm definitely picking up a a broader cinematic vibe about you guys and about the music you create. It's very visual music. By that, I mean that um, I'm going to bestow a compliment on both yourself and on the band, okay, in this point here, because the talent on offer when I listen to the advanced copy of Life is simply put outstanding. Um, There is so much going on, like as though you're watching a a, a cinematic piece, like a film, yet I don't Mm -hmm. feel overwhelmed so can you tell me how you approach songwriting? Because what you've done is very difficult to achieve. Um, having all of these multiple moving parts, a lot going on, a lot of complexity, mm-hmm. yet you can absorb it through the listen. It's it's not overwhelming like a lot of these tech death metal bands and the like that are out there at the moment, their music?
1: Mm. It's very dif- different, I think, yeah. uh, kind of complexity. Um, well, the, the way I'm writing music, I, I, actually I'm writing everything from a to z um the piano the orchestrations and everything because uh not because i'm a dictator it's just because i have a very accurate idea of what i of my music and so every note to me is important so basically the way i'm writing this it depends it could start with a riff or with a melody uh, it could be a vocal melody or a flute melody or whatever and from that part um i'm Starting with the intro, which is pretty rare, Not, normally people are writing the whole structure and, and then arrange. range. My way of doing things is I'm starting with the intro in general. Uh, let's say, for example, a riff, I have a cool riff. Um, first is, thing I'm thinking about, about, yeah, sorry.
0: Is that right? You actually start writing these songs with with the intro in mind first and you build it from there. So it's like kind of like writing a story.
1: Yeah, exactly. Uh, and the, the other thing is, I'm so the first thing I, I'm deciding is the, the vibe of the song and the tempo. Um, I'm deciding if it's going to be a fast song or it's going to be a mid-tempo or a slow song and I'm pretty much deciding on the vibe of the song. Then from that, I'm going through it uh, with a riff, for example, or like I said, the melody. And then I'm finishing everything with the arrangements and everything before I'm moving on to the next part rather than writing the whole song and then doing the arrangements. So for example, when I'm starting the song, I'm doing the intro and I'm doing all the orchestration at first, um, the solos if there are some and everything. And then I'm moving on to the, let's say, bridge to the verse and then to the verse and then the the pre uh, refrain and then the, the chorus and stuff. But everything is already arranged when I'm finishing the part before I'm to the next one.
0: Okay, yep. And Kelly Sundown, Puts in an exceptional vocal performance on the album. Uh, so, how important is the vocal to the sound of the band?
1: It's one of the most important thing uh, when you have a, a vocal band. Uh, when I started, guitar was my main focus because I'm a guitar player and I've always been um, influenced by um, guitar oriented uh, albums. I've been a big fan. I, I've always been a big fan of uh, the Shrapnel era and Jason Baker and Marty Freeman. are My yeah, biggest influences. Yeah, likewise. So. Yeah. I I was really into that when I started. Um, And so everything was based on the guitar. And then, uh, maybe it's because uh, I'm getting older and stuff, but um, of course, if there is vocals, that should be the main thing and the main instrument. So um, he has a big, big part, uh, if not the most important part of the album. He's the most important element, I think, because uh, he's the one who transcribed um, who transmit the the words and the real meaning of the songs uh and helps the listener it helps the music to to be understood by the listener i think
0: yeah definitely yeah and um you've already touched on this a little bit you are a guitarist steeped in the neoclassical metal tradition of Ingve uh, Malmsteen Timo Tolki and Luca Turilli you're endorsed by Ibanez and there are videos on youtube of you sharing your fantastic technique Tell us a little bit more about how you got into guitar playing and who continues to inspire you.
1: It was long ago. Uh, I started when I was five. My uh, elder brother uh, offered me my first little acoustic guitar, classical guitar. And um, I've always grown up into that kind of hard rock uh, environment. And uh, it was listening to Led Zeb, Sabbath, ACDC and Maiden and stuff like this. And uh, so... I grew up into the, this environment and when I was, uh, when he was with his friend and I was always there and they were listening to ACDC, um, with, um, a lot of volume and, um, uh, I wanted to be, since I was five, I wanted to be, uh, Angus Young. So that's why he offered <laughs> me that guitar. And the first yeah. thing he taught me was, um, a Halle Cooper song, uh, I'm oh, 18 yeah. and, uh, Yeah. That was the first thing I've learned on guitar. And then ACDC was a uh, whole lot rosy. And, uh, and then he showed me the chords and that that I, I never stopped since then. Then, uh, when I turned 12, yeah, 14, 12, I was really into my death metal uh, period. I was listening to uh, cool. a lot of death, death metal. And that was my first, I, I, that's where I am. Um, I did my first shows and first bands.
0: Oh, good on you.
1: Who were you into in particular? Well, those are old school bands now, but uh, I was really into Morbid Angel, uh, um, Death, Entombed, Dismember, all those very iconic death metal bands from the 90s. Um, But there there was always this kind of shred and guitar element inside. I needed to express myself with solos. So those were death metal bands with shred, let's say. Um, With shred as uh, I, I, I much as I could because um, at that time I was very young and uh, not really um, formed to play such way. Then at 14 uh, I discovered Manstein, that was Love at First Sight uh, and that was pretty much when I knew I would do this as not a job but uh, I wanted to do it, to do this uh, yeah. for, for my life. Yeah. It was uh, the, the, when I discovered Ingley and so from that moment on, uh, I mean, school went down because I was spending so much time on my guitar. Um, I was just skipping school to go in music shops and practice, practice, practice. <laughs> um, to the joy of, um, to my parents' joy. They were not really about that. Anyway. <laughs> anyway, so when I turned 18, uh, I stopped going to school. Uh, they agreed. Uh, I had to make the promise uh I would do all I could to succeed and to work and work and work so they, they've been really supportive very supportive I've been really very lucky to have parents um, that supportive.
0: yeah fantastic. Um, yep. Yeah,
1: that's really uh, amazing and so I stopped and yeah that's when I started to practice like eight ten hours a day every day um, and that's for two years then I went to uh, a big music school kind of Berkeley um, uh, in France, yep. Berkeley or MI, kind of related stuff. And then uh, right after that, um, that's when I, I started to do my uh, first um, composition and stuff. It was a uh, first demo, um, instrumental demo. Uh, with that, I had my first endorsements and first uh, magazine reviews here in France. Uh, then I had to open for Inve, so I was like, yeah, nine, um, 20. Uh, and that's where it all started. Yeah, let's let's
0: let's talk about that for a moment. So you opened for Ingve, and did you get to interact with him and have a chat to him?
1: (laughs) Very quickly, yeah. (laughs) Uh, But I mean, Ingve is Ingve, and at least the the only thing I can say is I knew it was the real Ingve. Like from what you hear (laughs) about him, yeah. Well, gotcha. I knew I was not. It was not a lookalike. It was him. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Well, I was. I had my backstages, and to go to his backstages, he had to go through mine. And so I, I read in an interview that he really liked wine, so I bought uh, a great, great bottle of uh, Bordeaux of uh, of uh, red wine. Sure. Yep. And when he passed along after the show, I was like uh, trembling, of course, and I was like uh, very uh, um, timid, and I was like, "Hey, Inge, uh I just opened for you, it's a huge honor, and uh, this is for you. I know you like." wine, this is for you. And he was like, oh, thanks, I don't want it. And he <laughs> left. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. But in a way, um, I I remember that as a cool souvenir because, uh, yeah, that was the real Yngwie. And uh, that was cool in a way. And I was so proud and so nervous to open for him at that time that, uh, yeah, I still remember it like if it was yesterday, and
0: it was great. Yeah. Yeah, he's he's an interesting guy, isn't he? I've seen him twice in Australia and um yeah I've never I've I've never met him. Um but um he tends to get other but people. I'm sure to he's do. a cool
1: guy. I'm sure he's a great, great guy. It's just like some days you know how it is, some days you're not maybe in, in the vibe of speaking with people or sure. stuff. So yeah. yeah. But I'm sure he's a great guy.
0: Yeah. So Let's talk about the album again. Are you releasing the album in uh, a vinyl format or even cassette? And to that end, what do you think is the best medium for listening to the band's music? Because as we've already mentioned, it is very broad, it's very cinematic, and there's a lot going on.
1: Um, I would say um, FLAC, I mean, uh, uncompressed format, WAVE, is the best because there are no compression and it's pure. Um, so yes. I would say... Uh, on very high quality uh, monitoring system, uh, yes. and, and FLAC is the best, but not everyone uh, can or will do that. Uh, vinyl, I'm curious. I didn't hear the album uh, on vinyl
0: yet. We're going to mm. receive them soon. Um, oh, so you are releasing vinyl, are you? Yes. Okay, yeah. I'm going to have to get a copy of that. Yeah. Just, yeah, okay, no worries. Yeah, I'll, I'll yeah. So, I will send you one. Oh, that's very kind of you, mate. Yeah, look, I've. um, Yeah, no, no, it really impressed me that I was hoping you'd say vinyl as well. And now, I'm not one of those guys where I insist bands have to release vinyl. But to be completely honest, I think you're going to get that full immersive experience with a good vinyl on a really good player with some great speakers Mm. um, with your music. It's the sort of thing that'll wrap itself around a room.
1: I've grown up with vinyls. I mean, uh, when I was a kid, it was only vinyls and tapes. And um, of course, CDs. Uh, appeared and then it uh, changed the stuff. But when I was like um, uh, in '88, I was really um, r- a kid, and all the albums um, around '86, '88 uh, were on vinyls. And I remember the first uh, album I bought with my own money um, when I was a kid was Somewhere in Time from Maiden uh, in '86. Yes. And that was on vinyl. That's and a bloody those- good album. It's a good yes. album to start with, yeah. Yeah. And uh, All those albums, and and Justice for All, for Metallica and stuff, uh, were on vinyl. So I really like the sound. I'm really attached to it. And even the sound of the needle, when it starts, when you hear that kind of... Yes. It's part of it. And it's warm and... uh, Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know if it's objective. I don't know if it's uh, by nostalgia that I like it, or if it's really about the sound. Mm -hmm. But still, uh, for example, sometimes, I don't know if you notice that, but there there is this kind of... um, not trend, but uh, you, on YouTube, some people upload the albums on vinyl so that you can hear the sound of vinyl. And recently, I've been listening to um, some old Ariasmiths or Led Zeppelin to really have that kind of vinyl. Uh, yes, the warmth.
0: Vibe. Yeah, the warmth yeah. and the breadth of the music really comes through. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Yes. Yeah. Yep. So nah, that's, that's, uh, yeah, Yeah. No, that's yeah, yeah. No, that's great. And your your first purchased album certainly beats mine. You know what mine was? It was Poisons Open Up and Say Ah back in 1988. Oh, you
1: know what? That's really fun because that was my first tape. The first tape I bought. Well, that was my first
0: tape too. So there you go. We got that in common.
1: (laughs) Yeah, so we might be the same age. That's funny.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I'm 39. Yeah, born in 78. I'm 39. um, I'm born in 76. Oh, there you go. There you go. So, So... you are a band that have embraced social media as well and your online presence is of a very high quality uh do you have fans all over the world all over the world and whereabouts is the band planning on touring in support of the new album
1: uh well just to give you some information about the band um so the last album was uh has been released in 2009 so it's been uh, quite a while yep. and uh i had to make a break i had to make a pause because the direction we were going were not the the real direction I wanted to go with the Adagio and I've been bored with it to be honest uh, because um, sure. we signed with um, a big management and they ju- they just wanted to turn us into something like Nightwish or uh-huh. uh, or Epica or those kind of bands uh, sure. and this is not what Adagio is about at all
0: what like bringing so a bringing a female vocal is that what they wanted to do
1: no uh, this without just imagine Nightwish with a guy singing
0: Okay, sure. Yep, got it.
1: So, um, we tried because, um, yeah, because we wanted to listen to them. Well, that's what you, that's what you
0: do, isn't it? They you bring in these management companies to to help your career, yeah. and you duly listen to them. But you've also got to honor your spirit, really, haven't you? And the reason you're creating music, which it sounds like you've you've done precisely that, exactly. And um, so I tried. It took three years to demo
1: and demo and demoing some stuff, some more stuff in that direction. And yeah, I just got bored of it, and I did not want to hear about Adagio anymore. So I wanted to go back to real music, pure music, and something um, true. So I went back to my first love and recorded uh, a solo album, which is called The Shadows Companion. Yes, saw
0: that, yep.
1: And um, I had some great guests on it, um, uh, Marty Friedman, and and, um, a lot of cool guests.
0: Outstanding. What was it like working with Marty? Uh, we've known each other for quite a while now. We we toured
1: together as well for that album. Cool. Uh Marty's a great, great guy. He's my uh he's one of my biggest influences. Um and uh he's such a, a cool and fun funny person. Um I really like him.
0: And um What period so yeah, is um, great. What period of Marty's career are you most influ- influenced by? Because I too love Marty's playing, and I got into him, of course, through Megadeth. I think most of us did, but I went back and bought the Cacophony albums, which I thought were yeah. probably even better oh. than some of his contribution on Megadeth.
1: Well, uh, to be honest, my favorite Marty's thing is Megadeth. Uh, is Rest in Peace? I, I think yeah. to me, all of, all of the solos individually are um, masterpieces. They it's are, just. Yeah. The choices of notes and the the, the way uh, the interpretation and everything is just still today one of the most amazing thing I've heard uh, in terms of soloing. Um, it, it it tells a story, and that's what I really like with people like Marty or Nuno Betancourt Oh yes, um, yes, excellent. Yep. Every solo is a song in the song, and yes, that's really what I think is the most important. And some people tend to forget that, but. Soloing is uh, also doing music. It's not just. Even though I'm a huge fan of shred and uh, and and sweeping and five scales and stuff, uh, I think it has to serve the melody and the music and to be melodic. That's the first thing. And then uh, virtuosity needs to help um, the 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 music. And yeah. that's what I like with Marty and this album. Um, um, yeah, the, all the solo I think are are brilliant. And then of course. Uh, cacophony uh, and uh, and his solo
0: stuff so Dragon's Kiss. so to that end what did you think of euthanasia uh, to be honest I w- I was disappointed when I he- heard it it's a tough album that one and I, I, these are my own thoughts so um, I understand that he bought Dave Mustaine bought Max Norman in, and I've already read the copy that he either slowed, he slowed the fast songs down and he, he made the slower songs speed up because he thought that they'd get onto radio. I think that's the way the story goes. And yeah. I can really hear that. I could hear that before he mentioned it, that there are some songs um like uh, Family Tree and I Thought I Knew It All. Who are th- both of those songs, I think, would be much better, much faster. Um, and they kind of corrected that on the album afterwards, Cryptic Writers, because I'm a massive Megadeth fan, right? Um, but I just find I can't listen to euthanasia anymore. It's just probably the only record in their whole catalog, and that includes risk that I just can't go back to. So, are you? Uh, I might need to call you back because the. You're right. No worries. The sound is um is kind of weird right now. You're right. No worries. Do you want me to give you a call okay. back or you? Uh, let's try. Let's try to keep on, and let's see if uh, it doesn't work. I'm calling you back. No worries. All right, no worries. Am I coming through loud and clear at the moment?
1: Yeah, right yeah. now it's
0: cool. So the <laughs> point the point I was making earlier was that I, I basically find that I can't listen to you than Asia anymore, which is a shame because I think there are some really good songs on there. There's some great solos on there. The production was well. Train great.
1: Train yeah. of Consequences is a huge song. I, I really like the riffing and the, and the harmonica solo and stuff. But uh, yeah, this album—it—it it feels like yeah, it's um, it had it had to be commercial, and that's what um, I think we're losing the, all the aggressivity and stuff from what Megadeth uh, really was.
0: Yeah, yeah, and, and I, I really enjoyed the songs that they released between um, Countdown to Extinction and Euthanasia as well. Um, yeah. So there's 99 Ways to Die, Angry Again, Yeah, um, yeah. Go to Hell. Those I wish those I wish they almost built an album off the back of the sound that they that they were mining through 1993. I think was probably the year. Um, but anyway, that's only my opinion. Uh, we're both fans, and, and I, I think we are not
1: the only one. To think this way, because so many people are fans of um, "Rest in Peace" and "Countdown," that uh, yeah, I think many of us uh, think uh, the same.
0: Well, it's interesting, isn't it? Now the tangent is uh, Metallica, of course, and and um, look, a lot of fans struggle to really get anything uh, after 1991, and um, yeah. I I've rediscovered Load. It's probably fair to say. But I find St. Anger Unlistenable, Um, the album that they released after St. Anger, sorry, I can't remember that one's name, the one that they released in 2008, Death Magnetic. Mm. I find that one unlistenable. Um, And I did a review of the new album, and it's from the new album that I was able to go back. uh, The new album's called Hardwired to Self-Destruct, of course. It's from that album that I was able to go back and make sense of Load, finally, almost bloody actually over 20 years it was over 20 years or 20 years later i was able to go back and i was able to hear load with new ears and go now i think i understand it it just and you like it well (laughs) there are some songs on there that are pretty poor it's got to be said um (sighs) there are some songs on reload that i think are some of the best they've ever written though um, okay, well, uh, Prince Charming, I think it's, or Prince of Darkness. I can't, sorry, my my memory's not great with regards to individual songs because I haven't lived with those albums, you see, so I can't really um, name check all of the songs for the, the sake of our discussion. But um, yeah, I, I have got back into Reload, I've got to tell you that. It was around about Christmas time, I, I, I did a review for the Metal Forge of the new album, and I thought the new album was okay. I'm one of those people that sort of thinks Lars has passed his prime though and probably needs to bring in a young guy like Chris Adler or Tim Young from from Morbid Angel or I Am Morbid to to do the parts and Lars acts as a producer. Um, Totally respect his commitment and what he's contributed to metal over the years. But I just think his drumming's not there anymore creatively or technically. Um,
1: And I think he knows it. Of course he knows
0: it. I'm sure of that. But uh, at such level right now... um, yeah, and that was uh, going to be I mean, my point—that I- they can almost do anything now. Like the Lulu album, they're at a point Metallica yeah. where they could release a spoken word album of, you know, whatever, and or poetry. Stand, you know, what do they call it? Jazz-inspired poetry or what have you, and it would sell. Um, but yeah, I, I, I do struggle with some some of their material in the same way. But for me, the only real blip on Megadeth radar was was the. What they did with euthanasia, and I'm not, of course, I'm not a big fan of Risk either. I understand that he tried to gain commercial acceptance there, but mm. didn't really quite work out. But, but what do you think of Risk? Is that an album that you can listen to?
1: Um, my problem is there are many there are many bands um, that for which I have an album which stops me from listening to what's coming next. Uh, like for example, if we take Dream Theater. Um, I really love uh, Images and Words, Awake. And then there's been like the um, Change of Season uh, EP. And after that, that was off for me because um, the sound was not the the, the dreams that I liked. Maybe because Kevin Moore left or I don't know, but the vibe was not there anymore. Sure. And the, the yep. solos were not as interesting as, as they were. Same thing with Uh, uh I'm a huge, huge probably my... Favorite album ever is promised land uh, from Queenstrike. That's a yeah, great um, album. Yeah th- That's my album when I need to go back to myself and be alone I'm just putting this album headphones and I'm off the world for a while and right after that I could, just couldn't and That's the same problem. I have with Metallica and Megadeth and all those bands there. There is an album and From there it stops for me. I don't have the vibe anymore
0: Yeah, no, I agree. Yeah, that's a really good point. So for Megadeth,
1: I would say, yeah, yeah, Euthanasia was the last one, but for me the very, very last one was uh, Rest in Peace. Uh
0: Uh-huh, yeah, okay, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I do do love their early material, and I'm starting to see there's a band called, um, is it Havoc, who sound a lot like what Dave was doing on um, Peace Cells. Um, it's like I an up- think so, yeah. Yeah, have you heard of that band before?
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, it sounds good. It's great stuff. I've been waiting a long time for a band to do that. It's In Havoc to, uh, to Megadeth, what Trivium were to Metallica earlier on in their career. Um, and I really enjoyed yeah. Trivium's music. I'm not, not such a big fan of their recent material, but right up to and including Shogun, I thought that they were producing very high quality, and I'm going to call it what I think it is, which is thrash metal. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, well, yeah. Yeah, you're right, you go. No, I was like, um, Thrash
1: Metal to me is more like, uh,
0: uh,
1: yeah, Thrash to me is really uh, Exodus and Slayer. and Yeah, sure. Um, yep. or, or Forbidden, or all those bands. Um, Dark Angel, all those older bands, which were already kind of um, Bay-ish, Bay Area sounding and stuff like this. Mm-hmm. And Trivium... In a way, I think it's more modern. Uh, yeah, we don't call it trash, but yeah, it's definitely a great metal band.
0: Yeah, the album, yeah. Uh, The Crusade, I thought was the best album that I'd heard in years up to that point, actually. Um, you know, that's, that's going back to 2006 now, but... I remember when it came out and people were bagging on them for for creating Master of Puppets Part 2, but then I thought, hang on, isn't that what everybody wanted? (laughs) You know, everybody wanted (laughs) an album with those sort of riffs, and I couldn't, I think he was only about 19 or 20 or so, Matt Heafy, when he wrote that album. Um, But anyway, it's stellar stuff, it's stellar stuff. Um, I'll move on, and um, I've got three questions that I do ask all of the interview subjects. So I'd like you to humor me here and play along. And by the way, your answers can be as not safe for work as you like because we are an R-rated program here. So, mm-hmm. Stefan, choose three words to describe yourself. Oh. <laughs> uh. mm. there you you, you caused me off guard right now. Uh <laughs> I tend to do that when I ask these questions.
1: <laughs> Maybe too emotional. It's not one word but it resumes the the, the thing.
0: No, I can count oh, as just, one word.
1: Okay. Uh, um
0: determined perfectionist. Yeah, yep, I think it Definitely. Could, uh, I can definitely, I haven't known you for long enough to to account for the first point you made there, but certainly the second two there I'll certainly agree with. There's no question about that. Um, I don't know if
1: emotional is the right word because uh, I'm thinking in French right now, but uh, by this I mean I'm really uh, sensitive to things. Things touches me a lot, uh, maybe too much. Sure. That's what I mean.
0: Yep, yep. A lot of musicians are like that. As I say, I'm also, I'm a a bass player and a guitarist, but I'm far more of a bass player. And look, I think we've all got our our sensitivities and... um, I think being in the workforce for so many years for me sort of beat beat it out of me, to be honest. <laughs> so, yeah. anyway, I digress. I'll move on. Um, next question. If you could go back to when you were 18 and give yourself some advice, what do you think you'd say? Oh, many advices. <laughs> um, be more uh,
1: disciplined in your work. Um, focus more... On the business side of things rather than just the the music. But that those are things you cannot think when you're 18. That's the problem. That's it. Yeah, it wouldn't wouldn't work because if I had said that to myself at that time, I would have said, Go fuck yourself, I just want to shred. Yeah. So um, but yeah, those are the things I would say. And uh, uh Yeah, um, think more for yourself. Don't uh, pollute yourself um, too much with um, the problems of others. Uh, Focus on what's good for you. That's, yeah, I think. I could have said to myself many other things, but right now, as you ask me, like this. That's what
0: comes to my mind. No, it's, it look they're wise words and it's sage advice for anybody, really. And the thing is, we pro, i mean, I have to be honest with you. I, I get the the data of where people are listening from all over the world when they listen to these podcasts, but I've got no idea the age or background of people. So, mate, there could be a young yeah. kid out there who's totally enamoured with your playing, who's going to listen to that advice and is going to adopt it and take it on board. So that's why I think it's really good that you give that feedback.
1: Oh, so maybe one other thing which is probably the most important is that everything you need um, to be what you want, you already have. And we have, we always, we always try to look for excuses or reasons or ways or help. But I think our best friend is ourselves, and uh, we tend to think we are our worst enemy. I mean, we are just both, but uh, I think, we are also the only person we can count on when needed. Uh, And that's probably the the best advice uh, I can give and that I gave to myself. I realized this um, and uh, I think that as long as you realize that you're your best friend, you can just go wherever and do whatever and if you fail, you will always be here for yourself. You, you see what I mean? It's, it's
0: just yeah. like you're just not believing on someone else. Yeah, believe yeah. in yourself. And, and, but you're a living example of that from the perspective that you, you do write all of the music yourself. You've got this passion and um, yeah, you've you forged ahead with your career. And, and so far, so good. It's been successful. You've already mentioned that I mean, gosh, um, imagine if you went back to when you are 18 and said, look, you'd be playing before Invo Malmsteen, you'd be touring with Marty Friedman, and um, I'm sure there's a host of other musicians and artists that you've performed, played on albums alongside of, and toured with that would blow your socks yeah. off if you could go back to when you are 18 and go, this is what you're going to be doing over the next 20-odd years, 20, 20... To well, 25, I, years. I
1: think, yeah, the two major things uh, I wouldn't have believed uh, would have been possible was to... Um, Be friend and tour with Marty Friedman (laughs) and and be friend and uh, played for Jason Baker. And uh, uh, those Mm. are the things I I wouldn't have believed it. You would have said, You're going to play each year, you're going to go to Jason Baker and play with him and then play music for him and stuff. And you're going to become friend. I would have said, Yeah, right, sure. Yeah,
0: fantastic. Yeah.
1: Those are things when you touch some of your uh, dreams, it's. It's something that just pushes you and pushes you to go forward and uh and yeah, so that's there have there have been many many highlights uh, yeah my, I've been very lucky with many things um but so yeah it's it just shows that um uh,
0: life is beautiful and uh, um dreams can come true sometimes. Yes, we are all connected cosmically, but I think the way you 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 get in touch with the force that that guides you to where you need to be is by by indulging in your passion, exactly like what you've done. And that's okay. you know you were never gonna tour with Marty Friedman if you were working in a guitar shop, for example. Not that's a bad thing by any means, but you focused on your career as a working musician, and you've been able to work and tour with him. Um, and that's where I think it comes down to. I think you've, you know, I think some people miss the, the point with some of this positive thinking stuff is that the doing part of it is actually the real stuff. So, yeah, have yeah. a positive mental outlook. No doubt you actually need that. But that's only, well, I don't want to label it, but if I'm talking about my own life now, it's only about 20% of it. The 80% is the doing part of it, you know, the yeah. practicing, the practicing yeah. and getting information about the right applications and the right microphone to talk to you right now over your mm-hmm. three, you know that sort of thing um so yeah gosh that's um that's really interesting mate and um the final question i have for you and this does stump people believe me is this what five guests living or dead would you invite to dinner
1: oh uh, um let me think Um Steven Tyler first. <laughs> because uh Yeah, well, yeah. He, he seems to be such a an awesome person. He seems to be so cool. Uh he's to me the real definition of a rock star. He is the rock star. Um uh, right. and he, he seems too cool to so cool and so nice to hang around and uh yeah, so Steven Tyler. um uh, I guess John Bon Jovi to ask him cool yep ad- ad- advice is about business
0: Yep for sure <laughs> yeah uh, good bloke too apparently yeah. yep Yeah um, who else
1: um, Scarlett Johansson
0: <laughs> Scarlett Johansson was that? <laughs> yeah <laughs> but, <laughs> Maybe not for
1: business reasons.
0: Um, <laughs> yes. She's a very fine well, example of a, of, uh, of a lady, mate. There's no doubt about yeah, that. Yeah. Indeed. Um,
1: and then I think it would be yeah, business-related people mostly.
0: Uh, yep. To
1: Yeah. Mostly um, career, career-oriented uh, um, decisions.
0: So some, some to, professionally to minded it. people to give you advice on your, your music career and, yeah. and how to take things off. Yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah. yeah. That's an interesting yeah. list, those first three, mate. Yeah, that'd be um, that'd be some very interesting discussion there. Although you might want to put Scarlett uh, next to your good self rather than next to uh, Stephen because I uh, hear <laughs> oh, yeah, Stephen's very popular with the ladies, such as his charm. So there you go. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, the, the final question uh, I've got for you is, have you, have you got a relationship with the Australian audience or Australian fans?
1: Uh, no, I have um, a Australian guitar friend, uh, which is awesome, called Paul okay. Uh I don't know if you know him. No. Nah, um, he's an amazing player. So if you have a chance, check it out. And it's uh, really great. So uh, Sweet. But apart from that, no, not really. Unfortunately, uh, you guys are so far, it's pretty difficult to come and tour to your place for the moment, but uh, uh, no, not yet. But I have um, so many things I want to do in Australia, so uh, first meet the people and then uh, um, um, shark cage diving and stuff like this. So Mm. yeah, I would love to come to Australia.
0: Yeah, there's definitely no shortage of places to put yourself in danger in Australia. I keep on being reminded of that when I'm talking to people from overseas because I because I live here. See, I, I live mm-hmm. near the beach, so I go to the beach most days. Um, and I know it's it's very it's about well, as I'm talking to you now. It's 12 degrees, but today it was about 20 degrees, and that's cold for us, right? So I wore my, yeah. my I wore my half wetsuit today. Um, but you know, at any given time, mate, there's there's a sh- there we we forget things like when I the beach I swim at, which is a really good beach by the way, very safe. But there's a shark net there, of course, not to mm-hmm. so that the sharks don't come in. But you just live with this stuff in Australia, and when, of course, and I think it's amazing. I I love the the fact
1: that in Australia you still have these um, big fauna of um, wonderful animals, and uh, and you are probably um, one of the main um, nest for uh, um, great white sharks, and I'm, I'm a huge fan of sharks. Cool. and uh, So that's why I would love to come, uh, not only for that, of course, but uh, I love your, your your country, yeah.
0: No, fair enough. Yeah, look, I'm a big fan of rugby union, so I do like watching the French rugby team as well because you never know what's going to happen <laughs> when they turn up, to be honest. They can, they'll, they'll beat a team by 30 or they could get beaten by 30 points. It's uh, <laughs> never really sure <laughs> what's going to happen. Yeah. Well, that's it from me, mate. Are there any final words?
1: Uh, no, um, well, that thanks so much for the interview, which was uh, pretty, um, uh,
0: like you know, it was not something we. Uh, oh, it's coincidental, serendipitous is the word yeah. I used at the beginning of the call. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: But um, that was great. Uh, I really liked the question. I had good time, and I hope people will have some good time to uh, listening to it. And uh, yeah, I hope I'll have the opportunity to to have some beers with you um, sometime soon in Absolutely. Australia and, um, and then to uh, meet the Australian fans.
0: Yep, yep. No, we definitely feel that way, mate. It'd be awesome if you could bring the band down here for some shows. Um, hopefully a promoter will get on top of that and, and do that. So, um, yeah, I, I have no doubt that um, given the opportunity, mate, you'd have a significant fan base down here. You've been listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast series. My name's Andrew Mackay-Smith, and that interview subject was Stéphane Forte from French progressive metal outfit Adagio.